We have a God who is very, very real. And, uh, and these aren't just, okay, this isn't religion. Religion is going through the routine. Yeah? Um, I think Naomi, when she was helping us tonight, when she was praying, she was exhorting us. We don't just go through the routine. It's very easy to kind of like, oh, I'll just kind of go through the motions. And it's almost heartless at that point. Because our heart's not in it, we're just kind of saying the words without the reality. And that's not what God purchased us for. We okay tonight? I'm going to do a little bit of teaching this evening. I'll teach you some words, okay? You guys know anybody know Hebrew here? Oh, we got a couple of people who know Hebrew. How much can you speak, my dear? Hebrew. Hebrew. Yeah, that's what I just said, Hebrew. Oh, the Hebrews. Yes. Oh, I know you know that one. Yes. Oh, very good. Well, I'm glad you know that one. That's good. I've listened to that one many, many times. And you know Hebrew? You speak Hebrew? Well, you've probably forgotten more than I know. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. So I'm going to teach you a couple of words in Hebrew tonight. Is that okay? You got any guys are good at speaking other languages? Anybody? In fact, you don't realize it, but you've been speaking them all night long. And I'll hope you don't understand what they mean. It's good to say words that you understand, isn't it? So I'm going to start, let me think, I'm going to start tonight with one of the Psalms. In fact, it's the last Psalm that's there in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a, it's a worship book that was given to Israel. It was their hymnal. We use stuff on screens now. A long time ago, they used to have little books. Everyone used to stand singing out of a book. Anybody remember that time? Some of you, maybe the older ones, some of you like, oh, they used to do that? Yes. And then it went to overhead projectors. And now it's like the ones that you do. And, and so they would sing. But Israel had their own, all the songs that they would sing. They didn't have hill song. They were standing in the hills singing the songs. They didn't have some of the songs that we sing like we do now. But they're written down here. And these songs are God-breathed songs. You realize that the Bible is the Word of God. Who realizes that the Bible is actually God's Word? Okay, and how many realize then to obey God's Word is obeying God? To disobey God's Word is to disobey God. So how many of you guys are into disobeying God? Oh, no, 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 no. The Bible tells me y'all have sinned you. I know you've disobeyed God at least once. I'm sorry, that was a bit of a trick question. But I want to take you to the last Psalm. Now, the book of Psalms is made up of five books, actually. It's five mini books. But I want to take you to the very last one. You know how many Psalms there are? Someone's looking very quickly. Go on, Mary, it's all right. If you've got your Bible, you can look it up and see it for yourself. How many are there? There's 150 of them. That's amazing. You could read one every day. Now, the longest psalm in there is Psalm 119. It has, is it 176 verses, I think it is. It's really super long. And it goes through the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and every like verse has like a section of ones just on those particular, that letter of their alphabet. But I want to take you to the last one. It's only six verses long. We'll put that up on the screen, I'm sure. It says, praise the Lord. What does it say? Okay. Praise God in his sanctuary. Means as we gather together. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his what? Mighty acts. Praise him. You think he's trying to emphasize something here? You see the repeat, the repeat. When, 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 when you're in school and the teacher repeats something, what do you know? It's probably on the exam. So when God repeats something, he only said, let there be light once. But God's repeating himself here in this psalm in particular. It says, praise the Lord. It tells you who to praise. It tells you where to praise. Verse 2, it says, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the what? Trumpet. trumpet. Anyone play a trumpet here? No? Okay. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Lute. And the harp. Anyone play a harp? 
Do you know a piano is a harp laid on its side? Do you know that? Play, praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the trimble and the dance. So you see the little ones up here dancing around. What are they doing? Praising God with the dance. It's proper, isn't it? It's this Bible. I've heard people say, oh, God just wants us to sit there and do. That's not what my Bible tells me. In fact, these aren't given as suggestions. This is commands of God. He says, pray. So some of you men are sitting there like, do you know you're disobeying God? It isn't okay that I just sit there and don't praise Him. Praise Him with the timbre, the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with what? Loud cymbals. I guess the drums would be okay, wouldn't they? Praise Him with crashing cymbals. Yeah, but you notice this is for everybody else, right? This is just for everybody else. Let everybody else praise Him. Actually, he says, let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. How many of you are breathing tonight? Well, that's good. If someone isn't, we'll pray for you. But he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. You have breath tonight? What should you do? Praise the Lord. Praise means to declare his value and his worth. Praise means to declare his worth. And it tells you who. Do you see in the text there how it has... Go back to the first verse there. <coughs> well, that's interesting that it's on there. Praise the... Okay, do you see those are capital letters? Some of you are like, I don't read very well. Those are capital letters. That's his personal name. Okay? A long time ago, Jewish people got really nervous using the name of God because they were afraid that if they took the name of God in vain, like it says in the Ten Commandments, it was worthy of death. So they wouldn't mess around with it. So they would read it, but they wouldn't say it. They often substituted other words in there because they didn't want to say it and say it wrongly or irreverently. Do you know that that's one of God's Ten Commandments? Don't use the name of the Lord God in vain. And God will not hold them guiltless who do so. In other words, he takes it personally. <laughs> But when we praise him, it says praise the capital L-O-R-D. That's the word Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. Anyone can pronounce that one? Because it doesn't have vowels in it. So they took the word Adonai and they mixed it in there to try to enable you to say it. But it's sometimes translated because of language Jehovah. It can be translated as well as Yahweh. We have songs that we sing Yahweh. We sing his name. But it says, praise him. Now I'll tell you a secret. That word in the Hebrew is hallelujah. When you sing hallelujah, the Hebrew is praise the Lord. No other God. It's not praising Allah. It's not praising a Buddha. It's not praising uh, one of the Mormon, Mormon angels that they worship or one of the gods of Hinduism. It's praising Yahweh, the only true God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're praising Him. When you say hallelujah, J-A-H, you're saying hallelujah, praise Yah, God, this is, a, this is Yahweh, this is Jehovah, this is the Most High God, the covenant-keeping God. The one who appeared to Moses at the bush and says, I am that I am. This is the only God. There is no other God. There is no other true God. There's only one. So when you say hallelujah, do you know you're speaking Hebrew? You're speaking Hebrew. You're saying, praise the Lord Yahweh. You can't apply it to any other God. You don't apply it to your pizza. Oh, the pizza's arrived. Hallelujah. I don't know if that quite works right. Praise God for your food. I have no issue with that. But we don't give praise to other things. It goes to Him. When you say hallelujah, you're saying praise the Lord, Yahweh, the only true God. 
You're speaking Hebrew. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Now, when you praise him, here at New Hope, we believe that prayer and worship is a lifestyle. It's not something I just do on a Sunday. My life is to be in worship and praise to him. You say, well, what do I praise God for? Well, let's make a list. Let's make a list of his character, who he is. It says here, praise him for his mighty acts, his works that he's done. It says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. <coughs> you guys okay to do a bit of thinking tonight? Your brain's on a little bit? Your brain on? There, Jim, come on now. Come on, kickstart it. Let me help you. Now, when you think of who God is, now, remember that everything about God is infinite. Everything. Every characteristic of God has no limit. <coughs> God's characteristic, characteristic, characteristic <laughs> the character of God can be broken into two categories. See if you can follow. The communicable attributes of God. Can you say that? Communicable attributes of God. Listen, I, I know it's just, but I know you can handle it. It's very simple. I'll break it down. The communicable attributes of God and the incommunicable attributes of God. Two categories. How many of you have ever had a cold? And you don't want to go around people because what? Yeah, or maybe someone else is ill and you don't want to go around them because they don't want to catch. Do you know that's called a communicable disease? In other words, I can catch that. If it's someone has something like a blood thing going on inside, and if you're around them, it's not going to rub off on you. That's called an incommunicable disease. You can't catch it. It belongs to that individual alone. Lord, help us now. There are characteristics about God who are just his and his alone. You can't touch those. He doesn't share those with anyone. God is eternal. See, we can inherit eternal life, but we had a beginning. God has no beginning and no end. He's eternal in nature. That's his character. The end from the beginning. The alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. His life is everlasting. He has no beginning. People say, well, who created God? There is the God that we worship. It wasn't created. He has no beginning. He lives outside of time. I tried to explain this to the children once. And if you think of time, the beginning of all things, however, how many thousands of years it is from the very beginning and this bubble of time, God, he exists out here where time has no bearing at all. When he's there, he can see the beginning and he can see the end just as clearly. He knows what happens tomorrow just as clear as he knew what happened yesterday. He's eternal. He's eternal. God is that way. This is his character. God has attributes that are just his very own and he doesn't share those with anybody else. When it comes to God's independence, in the United States, we celebrate independence, but we're not independent. We're dependent on lots of things. Do you realize that you're dependent upon air to breathe? If God just took the air away, what would happen to you? You'd die. Do you know God doesn't breathe air? He's not up there going, <gasps> He doesn't breathe air. You know God doesn't need food to eat. Do you know that God doesn't get old? We get old. Every time I look in the mirror, I think, where did them gray hairs come from? God, he doesn't get aged. He's eternal in his nature. He's independent. He's the only independent being anywhere ever. Now, I need to say this is because God, because he's a unity, we believe in the Bible demonstrates that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. So before creation was, 
The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were in perfect unity for all eternity. Now this is important. Because there are some who deny that. They say, no, that isn't the way God is. But see, God says in his Bible that he's love. Love needs an object every time. If God is not absolutely a unity in himself and complete as a triune God, that means um, if he isn't, if he's only singular, he needs an object to love, he would have to create something to love it. But God is love. So in eternity past, before anything was created, the Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. The Father and the Son loved the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. Completely independent. He didn't create you because he needed you. He created you because he wanted you. It's very different. He's absolutely independent. You and I were dependent upon everything else. In fact, do you know that we're dependent even upon the power that God made when he brought everything into creation? You are sustained by the word of his power. Can I pop your mind a little bit here? Do you know that when God made everything, because the word of his power maintains everything, do you know why your spaghetti doesn't turn to peanut butter? Because God said so. It doesn't change. It doesn't become something different. That's why the gravity and the, the stars and these things are maintained. Do you know that even down to the nucleus and the, the atoms where you have electrons, protons, and, and um, oh, what's the other one in there? Neutrons. They should blow apart because they're in absolute opposition, but they don't. Why? Because God said so. He's made it that way. Do you know that the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly? Its wingspan is too short for its body size. But do you know why it does? Because God said so. They don't like telling you this stuff in science class because they don't want God to be involved. But he's the absolutely independent being. He's the only independent being. And everything in creation is dependent upon him. You are. To take your next breath, you know that's his grace to you? It's his kindness. He sustains your life. Even with some of us doing this to him, and yet he still has you breathing his air. This is God's independence. This is the way God is. This is part of his incommunicable attributes. Uh, I'm never independent. I'm always dependent. I'm never one who is infinite. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a human being. I have centrality. But God is infinite in his being. Are we doing okay? Or are these two things too deep for you? Are we doing all right? Everyone went quiet, so I'm not sure. How about this one? God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. How many of you wish you could be in one place or be in two places at once? Anyone? That'd be really nice. Uh, you can't. He is. So we're worshiping here. And you know when we're worshiping and God just draws near, his presence is like, wow, Lord, that's amazing. Do you know at the same exact time, halfway around the world, brothers and sisters in Australia, brothers and sisters in China or Singapore, they're worshiping God and guess where he is? He's right there too, all at the same time. It isn't like, well, I've got his finger over here and his toes on that side. It doesn't work that way. God is fully present in all of his fullness at each space. So if I go from here to this square in the tile, <coughs> God, God is fully here. And I move to this tile, guess what? He's here, he's omnipresent, he's all present everywhere in his fullness. Now we don't always see it or sense it, but that doesn't change who he is. This is who he is. Heaven, where can you go to escape from his, you go to heaven, he's there. The Bible says, David says, if I go down to the hell, if I go down to death, he's there. You what do you mean, God's in hell? Yeah, his wrath is there. Not his mercy or his grace. God's judgment is there. 
You can't go anywhere to escape from his presence. No, you go to the dark, he's there. Dark and light are the same to him. He sees right through everything. Where can you go from his presence? Hide under your covers. Guess what? He's there. You go halfway around the world. Guess what? He's there. I, this is important, you know, for me anyway. I'm, I'm so glad because I have church on a Sunday and I go home tonight. Guess where he is? Never will I leave you. Never will I. When I go shopping, guess where he is? When I then get tipped for my, with my wife, guess where he is? Ooh, we don't like that part. But he's omnipresent. Only God is. So when you go home tonight, putting your little ones to bed, take a moment, look around. God, you're here. You get in your car and you drive to work tomorrow. God, you're, you're here. You're sitting in my cab with me. It's amazing. He watches where you turn your eyes and what you're looking at. He's omnipresent. You and I, we're limited. But these are characteristics that God doesn't share with anyone. These are, um, these are incommunicable attributes. These are ones that are solely his, and he doesn't share those with you. He alone is omnipresent. He alone is eternal. He alone is the one that has, is outside of time and absolutely independent. This is making sense. This is who, when we talk about praising God and you're talking about who he is and we say, Lord, you're independent. You know, you're giving credit to him for who he is. So, Lord, I understand you're independent. Thank you that you don't need air to breathe. You don't need food to eat. Thank you that you're the sustainer of all things. Thank you for sustaining my life. Praise you. Praise you. Lord, thank you that you're omnipresent. Wherever I go, you're there. I can't escape from your presence. I go up or down. It doesn't matter, Lord. I know you're with me. I thank you for that. And I praise your name. Lord, I thank you that you're a unity. You're not dysfunctional in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. But you're absolutely unified. Lord, thank you. You know how family works best. Oh, Lord, help us. These things apply. Very real. Lord, I praise you. Maybe some of you never thought about praising God like that. But you're praising for who he is. You're giving thanks to him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, I could go on some other ones, but let's, let's talk about the, 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 the communicable attributes of God. These are ones that he shares with you. The Bible says God is spirit. God is spirit. God is not made of natural things. He's outside of creation itself. He's not made with the, the, the molecules of this world. It doesn't consist in him. God is spirit. He's completely other. And the only way you can know God is he has to make you alive in your spirit. You have to be able to know him on the same level as who he is. So that's why you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. You have to be born of the Spirit. And He makes you alive. See, you and me, we're body. That's the part you get to see. Soul, the inner part of you, of your mind, your emotions, your will, your memory, your conscience. This is the part of you when you close your eyes, that's in there, your soul. And, and your very inner core, your heart or your spirit, he makes you alive by his spirit. So you become spiritual by his spirit. He shares that, his life, with you. You're not alive in Christ without the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes to fill you, to make you alive in the innermost being, your spirit. That's how you can hear him. That's why what happens when God speaks, you're like, you don't hear it like here, you hear it like here. 
It's like not your brain, but you've, you still hear him. It's, he speaks your spirit to his spirit, his spirit to your spirit, and you hear him. He writes his laws on your heart, not your dun-dun-dun-dun-dun heart, but the inner core of your being. And that's why when you do something wrong, you're like, that's wrong. You know his good pleasure, you're like, yeah, he's encouraging you, keep going. It's inside you. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You can't worship God or be a worshiper of the real God without the work of his spirit in you. I've heard people say, I believe in God the Father. I'm okay with Jesus. I just don't want any of that Holy Spirit stuff. You deny the Godhead. How can you do that? You can't even worship God unless the Holy Spirit himself makes you a worshiper to be able to give God praise, spirit to spirit, deep unto deep. You can't understand spiritual things except this Holy Spirit gives you an enabling so that, oh, like that makes sense now. That's because the Holy Spirit has done something in you. God is spirit. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is Lord. And where He's Lord, there's liberty. You can't work it any other way. I know people have their own ideas, but I don't really care. The Bible's quite clear. How about a couple other ones? We okay? Yes. Only a few of you said okay. How about um, <coughs> God is omniscient. Can you say that word? Omniscient. It's spelled O-M-N-I, omni, science. Omniscience. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. You know, you'll never be able to ask God a question. He goes, oh, I don't know. In fact, you'll never be able to pray about something and go, God, uh, I'm, I'm struggling, and I'm struggling with this thing, and you feel like he doesn't see. He's not going to go, oh, I had no idea you were struggling with that. He knows everything. How about this? He knows everything actual and possible. You guys have heard of quantum mechanics, quantum physics, where they talk about with every decision, there's an idea. I don't agree with it, but I'll just bounce it off you. But they say with every decision, a whole other universe comes into being. Because if you make a decision to go right, and the other one you went left instead, and what could happen? Do you know that God knows not only the choice that you're making, but he knows the choice that you could have made, and every subsequent choice of what could have happened. Everything is known by him. Your end is already seen by him. He knows your end. Well, let me apply this, a couple of you. How many of you are young people and aren't married yet? Great, wonderful, praise God. How about this, what if you ask God, God, who do you want me to marry? Do you think he already knows? No, seriously, do you think he already knows? Do you think that you don't have to like, can I say it this way politely? You don't have to try and see? You can say, Lord, I'll follow your direction and I'll trust you to lead me to the person you want me to be with and I'll give my life. I tell you, you know Doug and Grace? They didn't date. They prayed and asked God, who? And God spoke to Doug about Grace. God spoke to Grace about Doug and they got engaged. I'm telling you, this stuff really applies. Parents, you got young ones? Start praying now, Lord, bring someone for my young one so that they can get married to someone to glorify you. Listen, it'll be a believer if they're a believer. God's not gonna give an unbeliever and believer the same thing, but God knows everything. How many of you ever felt nobody understands me? I'd say probably every one of us here at some point. Can I say to you, there's someone who understands you. He knows everything about you. He knows the good. He knows the bad, and he knows the ugly. No, I'm not saying you're ugly. It's all right, Jason. But he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you, and guess what? He still loves you. Praise God for that. Right? Because if you all knew everything about each one of you, you wouldn't want to sit next to each other. Right? 
But God knows everything. Nothing hidden from his sight. And he still loves you. Oh, but the great thing about this is, how many of you guys have ever struggled? I don't know what to do. Do you know he says you can ask him for wisdom and understanding? He'll show you what to do. So this is a communicable attribute of God. In other words, like a cold, if someone's got one and they sneeze on you, you catch it, right? God says, here, by my spirit, I'll sneeze on you and you can catch it. Right? I'll give you my knowledge. Do you know, probably not, how many scientific discoveries have happened because the knowledge of God was given to a man? You look at people like Einstein and these guys. They knew there was a God. They knew that the universe had order and structure. And they said, because of that, God, you must be able to show us how these things work and apply. And down through history, God has shown them again and again and again and again. The knowledge of God is available to you by his spirit. <coughs> so really, as a believer, we don't have the excuse saying, I don't know what to do, do we? Right? If you lack wisdom, he says, ask of me, I'll give it to you. I won't, I won't get mad at you, I won't discipline, I'll give it to you, everything that you need. How many of his parents feel like, I don't know what to do with my teenager? How many teenagers said, I don't know what to do with my parents? <laughs> do you know that God is wise? He not only knows what to do, he knows how to to do it. Some of us look at a problem and it's there and we're like, I don't know how to get around this. I go over it, under it, around it. What do I do? Maybe I need to tell it to move. That Go cast yourself in the sea. Could be. But God knows the best way to accomplish his purpose and his will for your life. And you can ask him. He's wise. So when it says praise the Lord, you're saying, Lord, thank you that you know everything. You know everything about me. Thank you that you know the end from the beginning. There's nothing outside of the realm of your knowledge. Lord, because that I can trust your purposes for my life. I know that you're able, you know the way to go. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. You know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I praise you that you're the all-wise God. He already has the answers. What have you just asked He's willing to share. This is an attribute that he shares with you. He makes you alive by his spirit so that you become children of God. Not born of, of flesh or the will of man or the, uh, the, the effort of a human being, but born of God. Thank you, Lord, you made me alive when I was dead. Thank you, Jesus, that you, that you are the one that gave me eternal life because you shared it with me your spiritual life in me, and you made me alive to you. See, now all of a sudden, we, we get to the substance of praising God, of saying hallelujah. Yeah. I gotta watch my time. I, I, there's tons of these I could go over with you. I don't know if you've ever looked them up, the characteristics of God. But it says praise him. I'm going to say, men, praise him. Ladies, praise him. Young ones, what do you think you should do? Praise him. Do you know that it's good to do that? It's good to do that. You know, humor me for a second here. Take your hand and put it over your eye like this. What can you see? Only your hand. Now take your hand and do this. It's a lot smaller. Doesn't it look a lot smaller now? Yeah. When you praise God and you lift up his name, every issue that you face is now before the one who's eternal, the one who has all knowledge, the one who's all wise, the one who loves you infinitely. And it puts those things into perspective because some of us can feel overwhelmed. But when we praise him, we're putting everything else at his feet. And we're like, Lord, you got this. Lord, you've got me. Some of you have found it difficult and in difficulty. Can I say that you can give a sacrifice of praise to him that no one else can give 
and you won't be able to give at any other point in time. When you're going through the difficulty and it's rough and you're like, I don't feel like it. Does that change who God is? When you feel good, is God, is God still omniscient? Yes. When you feel bad, is God still omniscient? Yes. So you can praise Him and it isn't dependent upon how you feel. And it will take everything else and it will put it in its proper place before Him. Of all the people in the world, we should be the most thankful. Are you going to heaven? Some years ago, I was living in the States and I was working a job, working nights as a forklift driver. And on our Sundays, they wanted me to come in early, but I had Bible studies and I wanted to go to those. And so I went to those and I'd often show up at work and the manager would have to wait for me to get there before he could lock the doors. And some people weren't happy about that. I was there to please God, not men. And I put the approval of God above the approval of men. But I remember one night we were studying, and I can't tell you exactly what we were studying, but I remember as I was driving, driving to work that night, it was dark out, and as I was driving there, bless you little one, and as I'm driving in the car, all of a sudden it dawned on me, you know, I'm going to heaven, and no one can stop me, because Jesus said he's going to come back and get me, so that where he is, I will be also. That's John chapter 14. And all of a sudden, this joy rose up in me. Do you know that joy is a characteristic of God? He shares his joy with you. God is never depressed. He doesn't get depressed. Even looking at your mess, he doesn't go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this one. Because he's omniscient. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees your finished work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a joy rose in me, and I'm like, that was amazing. I'm going to heaven. And I start shouting in my car. Someone drove by me to think I was nuts. I'm shouting in my car. I'm praising God. I get to work, and they have these guys like at, at, at the door, and they kind of greet you as you come in. And I got, a, I got a grin on my face ear to ear. And he says, oh, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm going to heaven, and no one can stop me. He didn't know what to do with me. Do you belong to Jesus tonight? Does he have you? Is he faithful to get you there? Then of all the people in the world, you should be the most joyful. Because whatever else happens in this world, I'm going home. This isn't my resting place. Heaven, eternity is my place with him. Of all the people in the world, you should be the most joyful. So if you're joyful, let your face know it. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm joyful. Try to share your faith with that. Anybody else looking like that to be like, no, I got enough problems. You keep that one to yourself. <coughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's one. Can I give you one other? This one's going to have to be shorter, but... Remember, Jesus rides into, into Jerusalem. I'll just pull the verse out from John chapter 12. We looked at this this morning. And the next day, John 12, verse 12, and the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, what? Hosanna. Guess what? That's another Hebrew word. You sang it tonight. Hosanna. You sang hallelujah. We had a whole song. Raise a hallelujah. You sang another song. as uh, Hosanna. Do you know that's a Hebrew word? You know, you know where it comes from? Oh, yeah, the Bible. Good answer. That was good. But anywhere specific. How about this one? Doug, maybe we can pull up um, Psalm again. 118 verse 25. It's a number of times in the Old Testament. This is probably one of the clearest. So in Hebrew, sometimes, how many of you guys, uh, how many of you guys know the meaning of your name? What's the meaning of your name? What is it? 
Beaver waters. Okay, well, so now, <coughs> but you go by what? Okay, so Beverly, right? So Beverly is her name. We call her Beverly, but her name means Beaver waters, right? Okay, so you don't say hi, Beaver waters, do you? What do you say? Beverly. What's, what's the meaning of your name? Do you know? You don't know. You know mine. Wade. It, it means one who advances. That's why I always take things a step further. You don't say one who advances. You say what? Hi, Wade. Because the name has meaning. The letter's there. They have the meaning that's there. But when you stick them together, you can use this word. Hosanna is the same kind of way. Hosanna is there. There it is. Uh, you may not see it because you don't know the Hebrew, but we pulled it up. You'd say, save now, I pray, O Lord. That's what Hosanna means. So it's like having a name that the meaning of it is this, but the word we say is this. Hosanna is save now. Save now, I pray. And it's directed to the old... <coughs> excuse me, it's directed to the only one that can save. There's no salvation anywhere else. There's only one name that's given among men where he must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. There's no salvation anywhere else. So do you know that when you were singing Hosanna, you know what you were asking for? You were asking the Lord, Yahweh, to save you. So I didn't know that. Well, that's what I'm telling you. This is what he's, you are praying. Save now, I pray. And the urgency of it is like now, immediately. Bring prosperity now. Make me, save me. And there's only one Savior. Now I need to be clear, that isn't what saves. This may surprise you. When they rode into Jerusalem... Jesus rode into Jerusalem. All the crowds began to say, Hosanna. Now they were asking for salvation. They didn't fully understand it. But by the end of the week, Jesus was going to do it. See, there's no salvation or forgiveness outside of the shedding of blood. There's no salvation. There's no forgiveness for your sin outside of the shedding of blood. You can't shed yours. It's already tainted. You have a sinner? Are you a sinner? You was a sinner. Oh, that's a good answer. Well done. The Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you have no offering in yourself that you can give to take away your sin. You've got to have a pure sacrifice. Oh, sorry, my dear. He's having fun down there, isn't he? You have to have a pure sacrifice, a pure offering. That's what John the Baptist said about Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus had to go to the cross for you so that he could save you from your sin. So that he could forgive your sin. He had to give his blood in place of your life. He had to offer up his life, his body, his blood in your space. Because you had nothing to offer. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And having a dead Savior won't help you. Having someone who's dead, they can't rescue you. The greatest enemy we face is death. All of us. That's going to get every single one of us. In fact, death is probably even stronger than taxes. Some of you avoid taxes. Death, not a chance. So Jesus went to the cross. And the wages of sin is death. And he bore your death on that cross in absolute fullness. All, that, all the, the, the pain, all the suffering, all the, the condemnation for your sin was laid on him. The hammer of God's justice that should fall on you fell on him in your stead. It fell on him and God punished him as if it was you. And because of Christ, he's willing to treat you as though you were him. God did this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself to make us his very own, to take out the barrier of our sin. 
He did the work. I need to say this very clearly. I was in some meetings this week in, in Germany. A lot of European leaders were there. Fantastic time, really. It's called Europe Shall Be Saved. Wonderful declaration, really. And some of these guys, they're looking to see 100 million people come to faith over the next 10 years. And they're doing everything they can to see it happen. It's amazing, really. But somebody said, we need to, we need to group with the Catholics to get it done. <coughs> now listen, I need to be clear. I'm called to preach the gospel to everybody. Doesn't matter whether you're Hindu or Muslim or Catholic or an atheist or you're just a churchgoer, it makes no difference. But the Catholic doctrine of salvation says that Jesus and what he did was not enough at the cross. That he paid for some of the sin, you have to pay for the rest. That when you go for communion, it's not communion, it's a sacrifice. They bless it, they say this is actually the body of Christ. It's another sacrifice that we're offering because what he did at the cross was not enough. The Catholic Church is not a denomination. It's an apostate thought. Anyone, anyone who says that what Jesus did at the cross was not sufficient to save me is a liar. I don't care what kind of robe they wear or hat they wear or what kind of exaltation people give to them. They're liars and they're deceivers. I'm sorry if this offends anyone, that's your problem because I'm not moving from this. Jesus is the only one that can save from sin. And his cross, what he did there, he paid for the full payment for you. And it doesn't need a priest to do it. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. I get to go to God. I, you don't have to come to me to be forgiven. You get to go directly to him. I don't need a priest to do it for me. Jesus is enough for me. <laughs> And please, if anyone tries to get you to change direction, you stay away from that. Because Jesus' sacrifice was given once for all time. It's a done deal. That's why God raised him from the dead. He vindicated him that the sacrifice, the covenant that was made, the blood that was shed, his body offered for you is enough to guarantee eternal life for you. This is important, saints. Because many people say, oh, well, it's okay, just compromise. No. Uh-uh. You might worship a little bit different from me. I don't care. Don't touch the gospel. In fact, I'll say this. The apostle Paul said it this by the Spirit of God. He said, if, they, if anyone preaches another gospel than what I've preached to you, let them be eternally condemned. He says, if I come back and preach another gospel to you than what I preached to you at the beginning and what you received, let, them, let us, he said, be eternally condemned. He's not trying to please men. There's only one you have to please, and that's God. There's only one offering for sin. Now, having said that, Jesus died. He was buried, and he's risen from the dead. He's alive. He is the living Savior. He's Lord. So when you pray that prayer, there's someone on the other end listening to you. There's someone on the other, on the other line. He's, he's listening. He says, I've already done the work for you. It's not your prayer that saves it. Him who saves, his work saves. But when you cry to him in weakness, his power saves you. When you cry to him without hope in that sense, he becomes your hope. When you cry to him in your, in your weakness, in your inability, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And so you cry out to him, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save me, Lord, now. Not tomorrow. I don't know if I have tomorrow. Lord, save me now. You are the Lord of glory. There's only one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Save me now. I don't know. Are you saved? Have you exited death and entered into life through him? Jesus is the light of the world. They said, those who follow me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Do you have the light of life? Do you have his spirit living in you? If not, I, I, please hear me. You need to cry out to him. Don't mess around with your life. It's too valuable. And you've only got one. It's here today and in a vapor we're gone. I've been to so many funerals. I've been to so many funerals. 
And everyone's like, oh, it's so sad. Please hear me. While the funeral's going on, they get into the pub afterwards and they don't even want to talk about the person who died. They've already done forgotten you. <coughs> Am I lying? You know that's what they do. It's given unto man one time to die and then judgment. Don't mess around with your life and eternity. Save now, I pray, oh Lord. Save now. Unless he saves you from your sin. There's a verse that says, um, summer is ended and harvest is coming. We are not saved. Oh, that's horrible. Or someone could come to the end. Having been to church, even New Hope Community Church, and they've not put their trust in Christ and they face eternity lost. There is no purgatory. That's a lie. There's no second chance. That's a lie. Where you come so close, it's like I can almost taste it, but you don't reach out for him. Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. You can almost see the desperation. Hosanna! 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 And at the end of the week, he goes to the cross and he accomplishes salvation through his blood and rises from the dead on the first day. Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. <coughs> What's the word? Hosanna. Hosanna. What was the first one? <laughs> what was the first word? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What's the second word? Hosanna. I'll do one more with you. <coughs> and I'll finish. Let's see, there's a lot of ones I could use for this one. How about go to Romans? Whoever's on the screen there. Go to Romans chapter 16. <coughs> Let's see. Uh, let's see, where is it? Yeah, I'll start reading from verse 25. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel, Paul's saying this, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God. Oh, that's a packed statement that he's making there. I'll explain it in a second. Uh, for the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. What's that last word? Amen. Amen. So Paul's saying, listen, I preached the gospel to you. This was God's plan, that salvation would come to all nations, that God commands everyone everywhere to repent, that salvation is only found in Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile or, or British or Gypsy or you're even American. Americans can get saved. That's amazing. <laughs> he said, I preach this. Now God who is able... He's powerful enough. He's able. He's wise. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. What's that last word? Amen. amen. That's the last word I want to give you. Amen. Do you know what amen means? What is it? So be it. It means absolutely. I agree. So be it. So you know when people pray and they say what at the end? Amen. It means I agree. So be it. You know when someone else prays? And you're sitting there listening. And they said it today. I think it was Naomi. And all God's people say. Amen. You're saying I agree with what's been prayed. I agree. So when someone's preaching the truth. And you say. You're saying I agree with that. Absolutely. My wholehearted agreement. I agree. Amen. So be it. Truly, truly. Amen and amen. Most assuredly, Jesus would often say, in the Greek, it's the same word, amen, amen. It means absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Now, I'll tell you a secret. Those three words 
are translated into every language of the world the same way. If you speak Farsi, what do they say? How do they say hallelujah in Farsi? Say it again, sorry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's pretty much the same. You go to, you go to um, Urdu and they sing hallelujah. You go to certain languages, but basically the same word, it's called transliteration. It means that they don't just take the meaning of the word, but they take the word itself and they stick it into another language. So all over the world, there is praise to the one true and living God. In almost every language of the world, God has stamped a testimony of who he is. So matter your background, what language you speak, there is a word God has placed in that language. Hallelujah. It maybe has a different accent. You know what I mean. But that same word, guess what for Hosanna? It's the same word translated into every language. God has given a prayer of salvation to the one true God in every language around the world. People say, what if someone's not, someone hasn't heard of God? God has made sure. Hallelujah is there. He's made sure that Hosanna is there. He has made sure amen in every language, whether it's amen or amen or I mean, I don't however you say it. I mean, so be it. Do you realize that God has taken these words and made a prayer of salvation for every people under heaven? Hallelujah. One true and living God, I praise you. One true and living God, save me. Amen every language of the world God is, has a testimony men are without excuse God has said he's declared his, his, his character, his Godhead in the stars itself and he has given his law his word into these different languages so that you can be saved it's not complicated we can teach our children these words can't we Hallelujah. Hosanna. Amen. Teach it to him. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Amen. Explain to him what it means. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Amen. When I was 19, I didn't use those exact phrases, but I tell you, I cried out to the true and living God. Save me. And he did. He changed this wicked heart. This wicked heart. And he gave me a new one. He took all my sin away. And he gave me a place as one of his children. And again, I'm going to heaven and no one can stop me. Because he's coming back to get me, to bring me where he is. And the work that he's begun, he's going to finish it. Can I ask you tonight, have you said these words with understanding yet? Have you said, Lord, I really praise you. You're my maker. You're my redeemer. Lord, I trust you. I praise you. Have you said to him tonight, have you said him with understanding, Hosanna, Save now. I can almost make it more personal. Save me now. Oh, Lord. Have you cried out to him? You say, well, I did it once. Well, did he answer you? I don't know. Then cry it out again. Your soul's at stake. God's faithful, and if you'll seek him and search for him in all your heart, you will find him. In fact, he'll make sure that he finds you in the midst of it. <coughs> To cry out to him. Have you done it with understanding? Save me now, Lord. Amen. So be it with my soul. My soul has peace. There's an old song that says, It is well with my soul. Amen. It is well. Whatever else is going around me, the guy who wrote that, 
was coming across the Atlantic on a boat. And his, his, the captain of the boat stopped the boat at a particular spot. And as a man went out and looked into the deep, and he penned those words, it is well with my soul. He was saying that because just weeks before, his wife and children were traveling the opposite direction, and the boat went down and took his family completely away. And he says, but as far as with me, it is well with my soul. I watched some months ago, and I don't know, years now, I don't know how long it's been, when we got this phone call, Pastor Claire and I, late at night, it's about 11 o'clock or so, a little bit later maybe, someone on the other line says, my house is burning down. They said, we said to them, well, come down. They said, no, you don't need to. We did anyway. And I'm telling you, absolutely, we stood outside with this individual, Pastor Claire and I. And that week, they were at one of the foundation groups. I think it was Mary who laid hands on this young lady and was praying for her. And God did a wonderful work in her heart. And I remember as we stood there and we were watching everything she owned being burnt to the ground. The only thing she could talk about is how wonderful Jesus was. How awesome he was. How wonderful that he set her free. And then she said, oh, and I'm looking forward to a rise as well. Isn't that true, Bev? Because when it's well with your soul, it's a resounding amen. Amen. Can I ask you tonight, have you responded to the Lord Jesus? Hallelujah. Hosanna. Amen. He's loved you and he's given his life for you. Tonight you can. If you haven't, make sure that you have. Don't mess around with your soul. It's too important. You're too valuable. Jesus stamped it with the value of his own blood. And he wants you to be his tonight. Young or old, makes no difference. Don't mess around with it because a moment will come where you might step across and then it will be too late. Don't let that be the case. Let's pray. Tonight, may I ask you that if you've not prayed and you've not asked Jesus to save you, that right now you do so. I would encourage you, you can just pray after me. Pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation. I worship you. I praise you. Hallelujah. Save me, Lord. Save me from my sin. Save me from my lostness. Give me new life. Jesus, you are Lord. Hosanna. Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. I surrender my life to you. I'm yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me power to walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I say to you tonight, if you prayed that for the first time, I'd like you to stand to your feet right now. If you've asked Jesus with all your heart to save you tonight, that you stand up right where you're at. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Is there someone standing that I can't see? Are you standing back there, young lady? Then step out here, please, where I can see you. You said yes to Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come down here. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Oh, he's so good at saving the young and the old. The wrinkly and the unwrinkly. But tonight, can I ask you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Tonight, don't, don't back away from him. I'm going to pray for this little one. And if you want prayer, I want to pray with you. This isn't to embarrass you, but the Bible really says, Jesus said it, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. So don't be shy. Don't worry about anyone else thinks. There's only one person you need approval from. 
And I know, I know, I can see. And he's been dealing with your heart tonight and you're struggling and you're, Lord, help me. He wants to help you tonight. Don't hold back this evening. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this little one. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that she's put her trust in you tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're powerful enough to save her, Lord, for the rest of her life and for all eternity. Lord, fill her with your spirit tonight, I pray. Holy Spirit, come upon her and fill her up, Lord. Let your power come into her, Lord. Let your presence be here. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's no junior Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, the fullness of your spirit belongs to her because she too is a child of God. And so I thank you tonight, Father. Release her tongue, Father. Release her to be able to pray, to be able to worship you, and to follow you with all her heart. And we give you thanks tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stand with me. We're going to spend time singing. If you, if you want healing tonight and there's something you need, someone to pray with you in regards to healing, or maybe you know you should have come up already and you want to come up and pray with someone, we, our prayer team will be up here and we want to pray with you this evening. Amen.